Okay, I have to I have to stop you first. Just one sec, because Alexa just started talking, and I need to tell her to shut up. <laughs> Give me just one sec. Sorry. Alexa, stop. <laughs> we could ask her to solve the the Israeli Palestinian Yeah, right. Um. Thanks again so much for joining us here in the caves of Altamira um, for part two of my conversation with Mike Hilkowitz about a wide range of issues related to both the ongoing and historical components of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, If you are just tuning into this, I highly recommend you go back and check out the first part, and there's a bit of a longer introduction there. But to keep things short and tidy here, I will just say thank you so much again for tuning in. And let's jump into the second part of the conversation. There's a few things in just how this is kind of these kinds of stock phrases that come up that I think I'm always left like wondering, well, that's a pretty vague way to to talk about these things. Or there's some sort of contradiction going on. And so with Hamas, one of the things that we hear, like the mantra from um, Israeli governments um, for quite a long time is that Hamas doesn't accept Israel's right to exist. Hamas is is dedicated to eradicating um, Israel, wiping it off the map, and, and so on and so forth. And that certainly is in some of the official documents and whatever statements from Hamas officials, right? So duly stipulated. What I always find curious, though, is at the same time, the Israeli government and, I, and, I, and what comes to mind specifically, and this is always an interesting actor in the region, is, is Saudi Arabia. I mean, I, I don't know how familiar you are with like the textbooks in Saudi Arabia, but they they literally like wipe Israel literally off the map, mm-hmm. and like Jews are banned from coming to Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, there's been virulently anti-Semitic statements by Saudi officials over the years, um, but Israel works with Saudi Arabia. Right. So, I mean, well, all I'm saying is that like it, it's presented in Hamas is like they've said these really th- things and have like, you know, promoted these awful ideas. Therefore, we could, of course, never deign to like work with them. But like the Saudis are way more powerful than Hamas, fund madrasas all over the world, train um, young Muslims, often in very radical strains of Islam, Wahhabism, um, in their own textbooks, literally like wipe Israel off the map. But the Israeli government and the Mossad have found a way to work with Saudi Arabia for a long time. So clearly that's not a 100% barrier. You know what I'm saying? No, for sure. Um, you know, the, the differences, and they're, they're not necessarily moral differences. I want to be clear about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they're geopolitical differences. Um, right. Number one. 
is the United States, right? Mm -hmm. The United States acts as almost a guarantor that Saudi Arabia will not attack Israel. Right. Right. That it's just not going to happen. Like the United States mm. would not let it happen. Um, so because it would be two of their biggest client states going to war. Right. Right. So that it would completely disrupt the entire post Cold War order that the United States has built in the Middle East. Right. But even that being true, they're still fomenting globally internationally well, an ideology so, well, well, that is once, that well, is so, that is not necessarily good for Israel's security I would imagine. for sure for sure right. so I, and my whole point is I I just think that like I think that like this notion that like Hamas has said these awful things and therefore of course Israel the Israeli government will never talk to them they've talked to a lot of governments that have said equally if not even more abhorrent things so I just to me that's kind difference. of like okay. there's a difference What's the that? difference is those other people did not, and I'm even getting a little shaky right now. Those other people, those other organizations did not send suicide bombers into cafes and restaurants and bars and synagogues. They did not attempt to murder Israeli civilians en masse. Right. Right. Okay. More so, than a thousand deaths of Israeli civilians on buses on the street. Mm. You know, like these are, these are. You know, this is not the the distant past. This is the late nineties, early two thousands. And and I find that to be horrific. Yeah. I, I and I do again. Be you know. No, but you're asking what the difference is. There's we can we can hear things, right? Jews are always going to hear things. And I don't mean to conflate Israel and Jews here, but um, but there's always going to be people who say these things, right? But when they say these things and they try, you got to take them seriously. Okay, yeah. But I mean, in some ways, and I, I can't, I, I mean, I'm just, and I'm asking this genuinely. I'm not, I'm not trying to like be, um, um, I know, Kev, you're never, conference, I never have that issue with you. Right. I'm not trying to be like confrontational here, but like yeah. just hearing what you recount is like the, in like these awful things. I said, I am, I do remember that from the eighties and nineties, these, um, you know, there was that horrible incident at the Seder dinner where, you yeah. know, and, and these awful it hurts Leah. 42 right. people killed. Right. I, and, and I remember that. And I remember thinking that how horrific that is. And, but, and it's interesting that you bring that up though, because Israelis, Remember all of those incidents, how many right. people were killed, how many right. people were injured, right? These are not closed wounds. And what I'm saying is if we just take collectively the last three or four incursions and or kind of set of missiles and, and other um, artillery fired into Gaza, I mean, you're, you're getting well over those numbers easily. And, and, and most Palestinians are not like diehard Hamas supporters in, in Gaza. And they no, just try sure. to... They're just like any other person trying to do the same thing, you know, go to work, have some fun time with their kids. And so for them, why wouldn't they view this? I mean, that's what I mean. The, the no, tragedy no, I, of listen, this is why wouldn't they view it the same way? I they mean, do. Right. Uh, there's no one there. Like there is literally no one in this whole thing 
that I feel worse for than Palestinians, especially Gazan civilians. There is literally, they are the bottom rung of the ladder in this. They are abused by Hamas. They are abused by the Israeli military. They are not allowed to leave. They have zero agency in the conflict. Right. Okay. There's no question about that. Right. Um, they have it worse than everyone. There's no comparison to the suffering even of people in, you know, Sterot, which since 2008 has had something like 10,000 rockets fired at it. Right. Even there, they have more agency, they have more voice, they have more power to control their destiny mm. than people in Gaza. No question. And, and I mean, the, the, you know, and I said this is not a good, uh, I'm not trying to get into a game of good or evil, just a game of, of uh, or not a game, but like a, an analysis of who has power, who has the ability, and, and you put it nicely to kind of shape the situation. I mean, the situation in Gaza, yes, in some ways can be traced to Hamas and, and, and positions it's taken, actions it's taken. Um, I, I wouldn't deny that. I think that's that's clearly part of it. But I think if we're going to assign over, you know, the, the, the weight of responsibility for the fact that, you know, of, of, of what Gaza is or what it has become, which is in, in some ways almost like a, a massive penal colony, right, in terms of people being contained within a, a fenced in area um, that's also blocked by Egypt, right, to, to, yeah. to, to fully, you know, and, and, and so forth. But having the and waterways. Let's all, and blocked, let's also be clear, um, you know, if you look at the Palmer report, the UN has pretty much said that while some actions, you know, surrounding the implementation of the blockade are very questionable. Hmm. The idea of the blockade under international law is completely legal. Right. Yeah. You know, so, well, there could be things. That, I mean, in this, in this kind of, you know, I think hopefully maybe we can uh, we can circle this back because I wanted to talk about the the ways thinking about how what what a resolution to this looks like, and obviously we're not anywhere near that. No so, but <clears throat> but this kind of I think is is maybe a, a good segue back in that direction because in in a sense that there can be a lot of things that are legal um, that necessarily aren't the right course of action. So oh, absolutely. I mean, and 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 I think this is something that still exists. In in in, if you ask me where like where my views on this are, I mean, I would say I I often like if, you know look at what left wing Israeli peace groups are doing. Look what those groups of soldiers who served in the West Bank. I forget the name. There's a young gentleman breaking the I, silence. Yes, uh, and I'm I feel like such an I'm now literally called someone a young gentleman. Yeah, <laughs> but no, there's a young gentleman. There's a young gentleman I've seen on you on the YouTube um, that the kids are watching, <laughs> and I've seen him, and he's so eloquent and he's so powerful. And if you ask me, like my personal, you know, personal Kevin again, um, what is your view? And I would say, yeah, look at look at look at those guys who are and women who have served in the West Bank, um, how horrified they they are about what they've been asked to do and what they've seen, and how how they're speaking as 
what they see as fully patriotic Israelis. That like I I think our country is better than this. I think this is ultimately hurting our country. I want an Israel that I, I that my kids and grandkids can grow and prosper in. And this is not it. And that and, and, and that is and, and to, uh, that. <laughs> right. You know, and so that's my yeah. That. And and I think that it becomes difficult because I do realize there is there it will obviously there is awfully a a, a virulent strain of anti-Semitism that still um, circulates around the globe and that informs uh, maybe way too many people's views of of these situations. And and again, and that's why I always try to go to power and not good and evil because that to, to move away from this trope that like Jews are evil as a, is some sort of you know I mean that 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 sort of take and Jews pull all the strings and levers and and around the world and and so forth, right? But that understandable reticence to engage in these issues, I think, is is, is often been a way of also skirting and sidestepping very tough questions, right? So there's, there is an, I can understand at one point the reticence to engage in those questions because it's like, well, hold on. I don't want to like feed into people who are just, who who just think Jews are evil and like running banks and controlling the world. Um, But at the same time, this is a, this is a major flashpoint in, in world politics. And this is something that is, is obviously important and something that is of concern. There's a lot of other issues and a lot of other suffering. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And and I'm always, com- I always find that to be compelling that that's that view. Like the most pro-Israeli position is a way to try to mitigate. Yeah. Mid- and, and to, to the, I mean, in some ways it's like to, to not just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Like yeah. you can hammer you can hammer Gaza militarily all all the times you want, and that is not going to facilitate a more peaceful situation. You can there's, tighten there's, up things in the not, West Bank over and over and over again, but that's not going to facilitate. There's not an Israeli alive who thinks that what happens when Israel bombs Gaza is doing anything but mitigation. But I'm not even sure it mitigates anything. Oh, it does. I mean, you know, it, all you have to do is look at the the time between flare-ups um, mm. to see that you wipe out their missile stock, their rocket stockpile, and it's another three to five years of calm. And well, then, it, that- you know, it's it's buying three to five years at a time. Mm. Well, and that and that's I want to I want to I want to uh, pick your uh, you know kind of hear hear what you have to think because this is another well this is like a, a what I feel is a fair kind of critique and in a way that I think is there's a, there's a little bit of a double speak from the Israeli government um, you know largely about this where Israel gets critiqued about things that like you know some of the scenes out of Gaza are I mean, quite frankly horrific and and I I find hard to justify under any sort of kind of human rights kind of or just humanistic standards but. Well, here, here's my kind of issue. It's like on the one side, the Israeli government will say we're a real democracy and like we we you know we should be respected and and for for our democratic values and and as a, our distinction amongst kind of countries compared to Syria and Jordan and Saudi Arabia and and what have you, and and they want and they claim that stature is that Israel should should be respected because of its unique status or or within Middle East or or so forth. But then if it's when criticized about some of these actions, they say, oh, well, Iran does the same thing and you don't criticize them. Well, it's like, well, hold on. Like, are you better than Iran or not? I mean, so like, I mean, do you expect, on one level, PR, do you expect PR people to uh, 
to uh, come at their PR from a, a holy, uh, moral, like a holy, truthful place. Right. But I mean, but it's it's just I, just I think like we were talking about Arafat and his rhetoric. And, you know, right. I think to a certain extent, there's a difference between rhetoric, but also at the same time, um, I want to give a question to to either personal or analyst, Kev. All right. All right. Fair enough. You choose. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let me hear the question first. What's the option? What is the Israeli option to deal with Hamas? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think hopefully I, the the the, the um, person of analyst and personal Kevin hopefully can be fused into one for this answer. I, I think they are one of the same piece. Um, look, I, I think that I mean, if you allow me to trot out an old an old tired metaphor, um, but I think it, it, it's where I would begin. It's like when you're digging a hole, the first thing is to stop digging. So I, I'm not, which I like that metaphor because it doesn't imply that instantly you stop digging and then you're still in a hole. Right. So that would be my, so first like stop digging, like stop. But what does stop digging look like? What does stop digging look like? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I think there has to be a way, to, you know, long run, why, you know, what kind of conditions allow, like what, what are the conditions that allow Hamas to persist and, 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 and sustain itself? And in what, what and and it's not it's not Israel again is not like it, it has the inordinate amount of power disproportionately, but it, it can't control everything. But the things that Israel does have control over in terms of the blockade and in terms of basically choking off a lot of the ability to to have a kind of normal quote unquote normal like civil society and life in Gaza, I think is in some ways you know up. It, it's like a vicious cycle because that is going it, to the extent that, you know, someone doesn't really care, you know, then their house gets blown up because like uh, some Gaza person was reported, you know, Hamas person was supposed to be next door. Well, then you've just created a Gaza, you've just created Hamas family for the rest of their lives, you know, right, and that's right. exactly the problem. I mean, you're, you, you mentioned the word and I wanted to circle back to that because you mentioned the word trauma several times in the Israeli context, which is certainly there. I mean, the, the suicide bombings and, and other historical things being forced out of places like Tunisia, Morocco, Iraq, and and so forth. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, it, uh, clearly, like just looking at those kinds of experiences, like when people's um, house gets blown up and they're told, well, unfortunately, we there was a Hamas, you know, someone from Hamas like next door. Like, I think as a human being, not as an Israeli, not as an Arab, not as a human being, I'm like, well, that doesn't really fly. I mean, for sure. I'm, I'm, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, like, because the anecdote, like you're saying, these kind of, as you called them, mitigation things, to me is basically in, you know, a, a also a Hamas support engendering activity, right? I mean, like, there's a lot of people in Gaza who have their own very local reasons for despising Hamas. Um, but when they encounter or are the, you know, on the receiving end of these violence of this, of these kinds of aerial assaults and their family and their friends die, um, you know, so I, that, and that's the stop digging part. I don't, I mean, again, you're still, I, and, I and, get and, you. and, and, I'm, and, and I think, well, you know, so I think I, I get you and, and I'll respond with this. I get you and I'll respond with this. We're still in a hole. Right. Okay. So Israel stopped digging. We're still in a hole. And what does we're still in a hole mean? Now 
we're getting rockets on us from Hamas. Mm. We've tried to relax. Hamas has taken that as a victory, right? Israel's tried to relax things, re relax the, the blockade, da, 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 whatever steps you want to be taken. Let's, let's stipulate that Israel takes whatever steps you think need necessary to, to stop digging in Gaza, in the West Bank. They stop, right? But we're still in a hole. Gazans still have that trauma. Right. Uh, Hamas is still in control. Mm. And then the rockets come. And this is the, 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 the problem, right, um, with long-term thinking in the Middle East, in general, in the Middle East, this is not an Israel-specific thing, right? right. But long-term planning in the Middle East is generally changed by short-term needs. Right. Right? And so no government is going to allow rockets to be shot into its cities, right? Any yeah. government that did would be quickly voted out of office anywhere mm. there are elections, right? Any country. So, so we're still in a hole and the rockets come because the, the rockets are um, a tool Hamas uses for both domestic issues within Gaza and mm. issues of Palestinian unity and issues of, you know, they want money from someone. Right. It's the it's the lever that they have that they use whenever they want to achieve something. Well, it's similar so, with North. It's like North Korea and the missile test. I mean, not to jump yeah, yeah. all the way around the world, but I mean, that's why North Korea fires off missiles because of the, yeah. So that's I, I, their know, one lever. Uh, mercifully, knock on wood, they fire them into the water. But, um, you know, you know what I mean? So so Hamas and and and. You know, we can talk about Hamas. Hamas is a reaction to, grew up as a reaction to Israel and the occupation and a reaction to the PLO, right? It has its own place. Well, we, we, we talk, we've, we've talked about this. I mean, and there, there was also like, you know, some surreptitious support from different groups in Israel for Hamas as a way to counterbalance the PLO. Yeah. And, the yeah, yeah. And, and, and at the time, the threat was that the PLO was moderating. I mean, that's an important part of the history is that not all Israelis. I mean, certainly, again, I would I'd say there's been a Look, again, again, once upon a time, there was a strong left in Israel, but there was often there's always been a very right wing faction. And for them, the two state solution is has never been something that was in was was supported. I mean, you know, so, Netanyahu, uh, you know, it's, it's Netanyahu is basically like bullied into supporting the two state solution. I mean, that's not it's you know, it's important. It's important to. Um, recognize these things, right? So um, there's definitely people who were about using Hamas as a counterbalance to the to the PLO. I, I think to say because they were moderating mm. doesn't give the the full context of it, because there are people who who believe in their heart. It's not some kind of cynical usage right okay there are people in their heart who truly believe that the palestinians can never be trusted to abide by any agreement and therefore 
getting into an agreement and trusting them is a danger to the future of Israel. You I mean, know, no, no, I'm, Mike, listen, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm, I'm not wait, wait, wait. I'm just on. saying there's true. There's people who truly hold on. There's hold people on. who truly believe a lot of bigoted things. That's wait, a bigoted wait. statement. No, no, no. But there's I'm, people I'm, who I'm, truly believe a lot of bigoted things. Wait, hold on. Okay. All right. Because all I'm like, all I'm trying to to do is kind of bring context to hmm. why that might happen. No, right? I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I'm saying, but like, I mean, that it gets to, I mean, there is issues with, I mean, it, to the extent that, and I think it is important to point out the interrelation between um, not just w- within the conflict itself, but globally that, as I mentioned, you know, certainly anti-Semitism and all the virulent kind of forms it takes on is part of this, but within but Israel. Also Orientalism. Right. But also within Israel, I mean, and what's been alarming to me over the last 10 to 15 years has been the increasing, you know, and this is a trend that I think Israel fits into global trends. If you look at places like Hungary or Brazil, you know, what has been alarming is that there are well-documented, like clearly bigoted, racist, like however you want to call them, statements by people who are not like bit actors in Israeli politics. Absolutely. About yeah, and so, but I'm saying that often, at least in Western media, the the rise of, of flat out like racism, like Palestinians are dirty dogs that like don't deserve anything. Like pointing that out is not saying everyone in Israel is a racist, but it's saying that no. people who are racist have like now increasingly a lot of they're not like crazy side actors. And, and this is, again, something we've seen in America. We've seen in Brazil. We've seen in Hungary. We've seen in I'm, I'm going to speak with a, a, a colleague from Turkey soon about what's going on in Turkey. Um, yeah, you know, so no, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. And I think that's part of the story. And, and so, yeah, I mean, sure, like people might have bigoted views about the Palestinians and therefore seek to undermine, uh, you know, like well, and that's where I say the threat is that they're moderating is that, again, it's a political calculation, like it, like in the global commons and, and particularly like, let's be honest, the United States and, and competing for like U.S. support or having the U.S. see the, the, the conflict in a certain way, a, a quote unquote moderate or seemingly quote unquote reasonable PLO was seen as a threat. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't in, disagree. In and Hamas was seen as an as as a potential as a useful tool, like not yeah. not like oh we like Hamas because Israel's never is, Israel's not the first government to play, to play kind of divide and conquer. No, I mean yeah, I mean seriously, no, that's a that's yeah. So no, I it's, mean it's, it's been a legi- you know it's been a strategy that's been used all over the world. But it's something that again in in the Western kind of media's coverage of this is is and you can only cover so much. I don't want to you know, rag on journalism to journalists too much. But I mean, it, I think it is an important context to this. It, it doesn't like it. I don't know if it, if it gets us anywhere, but it does go back to this, the hole, if we're going to go with our like yeah. the digging hole. I mean, the hole. I like, is, the, I like that metaphor. But yeah. Well, the hole, the hole has been, it's really deep and walking, you know, and, and in to some ways, the, someone like, and you know what, this, this is an amazing analogy because I really do think um, that at this point, Someone has to walk by with a ladder to drop down to us. Because even if we stop digging, Mm. there's not necessarily an ability to climb out of the hole. And and, and if you can't climb out of the hole, the only option you have is to keep digging. Or (laughs) that's not the only, you can just stand there. 
<laughs> I'm right, going but, with the. But like, you know what I mean? Like you try and right. figure out some other direction to dig right. in to, to get out. Well, and I mean, what this and this I think does tie back nicely to what you're just saying about like you know there are factions within Israel who just say Palestinians are are untrustable, and I mean that's I I find that to be as horrifically bigoted and racist as anti-Semitism. So I'm going to yeah. equally no, no, kind no. of state like who like are you that. talking to? You know right, me, yeah. right? Like, no, I'm yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that you were espousing that view, but I'm just yeah, saying yeah. Like, you call it out like it is. I mean, it's it it is equally as as repugnant. Um, yeah, for sure, but. It but does, I think, I mean, but I because what because what that blocks against, and this is kind of, what, and if we look at places where you know that where where things have been able to have like you know, and we can look to um, uh, the the conflict in Northern Ireland, which involved lots of bombings and deaths and mutual recriminations, and I mean, it's not a one to one, but ultimately. Um, to getting to some sort of resolution to that, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but what what is the same is it required a leap of faith, right? At some point, people who didn't trust each other had to say, all right, you know, to, to put it bluntly, fuck it. Let's just try. That's it. I, I, I mean, it sounds like pretty uh, no, I, know, I, a, a flippant way to put it, but I, really, that's what it's, it's like, fuck it. We, we, you know, we hate each other or like we, we find, you know, we think Jerry Adams and the IRA is a bunch of murderous thugs and we think the British are colonial pigs. But you know what? We're just going to have to take a leap of faith. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um I was listening to um, a British diplomat on some podcast, and I can't even remember which one right now. Um, but it was it was a really interesting. Like he had he had worked in Northern Ireland, he had worked in India, Pakistan. Like he had done a lot of um, this kind of work, um, and he said we have to look at we really have to change the way we look at what diplomacy in the realm of of like how we operate dip- diplomacy in the realm of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict if we ever want to make any progress with it. Um, because everyone in the situation right now is not working towards solving it. You know, most right. most international organizations, most countries have given up any faith that it can be solved, right? And it's just something to be mitigated. It's, you know, we give, we give money to aid to the, to the Gazan civilians in the West Bank, and, you know, we support Israeli innovations to, to stop rockets and tunnels, right? Like, it, it's almost just a mitigation, the way it's the like a internet- perpetual, a perpetual yeah. triage. Yeah. It's just right? perpetual and so, triage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and again, it gets back to that, you know, that long-term planning is is hard mm. in a situation like this. But to look at it differently, the biggest thing he suggested, and I thought it was really a really smart idea, the whole logic in Oslo and all of the kind of negotiations and peace proposals and, and things that have come after that have been to deal with the small issues that we can agree on first in the hopes Mm. that it will build trust so that they can make compromises on the big things. Right. right? Um, But that's really not getting us anywhere. The, The trust building when there is absolutely no trust on either side doesn't work right like 
you, you can't build trust where there is absolutely zero trust. Hence the leap of hence the leap of faith. hence the leap of, hence the leap of faith. But if we're gonna take a leap of faith, mm. why not take it into the big issues, right? Right. And then if we can come to some understanding on the big issues, the smaller issues become inconsequential. But it also starts by by I think reimagining. You know, I've always been a very strong supporter of the the two state solution. And I don't like I don't like that term. I think it's too close to final solution. Um, right. But but a, a two state compromise in the issue. And more and more, I don't care what it looks like anymore. I don't care whether it's one state or two binational federation. There's all sorts of ideas out there. Um, I don't care what it is. But I think what we have to start with now, we have to go back to scratch almost, right? We have to throw out everything that has been agreed upon up until now, right? The 67 borders as a basis for, you know, what these two states should look like or if, you know, all of that stuff. Let's throw it out the window. Let's sit down and figure out what do the Palestinians need, right? What do they need to make a successful solution, right? And what do the Israelis need to make a successful solution? Not what do people want. I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about maximalist positions, right? What are the minimum things that you need to fulfill your national aspirations, Right. right. Well, I mean, isn't I mean it's complicated, but in, in some level, it's also simplistic in the sense that I mean, like land and sovereignty. It's it's so much more than that. It, it's so much. No, look, because I'm going to tell you right now, if you mm. talk to a Palestinian, mm. land and sovereignty would not be what was first. They would say justice. Right, but I think those those are all inter those are interlinked. I mean, it's all interlinked. Right. You can't right. pick out like one issue and say you, you have to really think. And, and, and it's and, and it's not a simple que- like it, it sounds like a simple question. What do you need? Right. But it's not a simple question because it goes right. into the national traumas and it goes into pride and ego. While we might not think these things should matter. In reality, they do. And so to ignore them doesn't get you closer. Okay, so let's end on this. In I'll put a proposition out there and, and see see what you uh, what you what you think about it. I mean, to me, and and again, talking about like power and and the way that power has been wielded, um, I I think to my mind, especially under the Netanyahu government, but um, I, I we can go back further. I, I think it's been wielded in, in a in a very that. Like you said, may have been good, and I'm not even sure that it was in the short-term interest of Israel. I mean, I think a lot of times it was in the short-term interest of Netanyahu. Who, speaking of someone who may be a deplorable human being, which I think yeah, he is, politicians, personally. man, I tell you, yeah, why. but he, but he is a he is a crafty political actor. Um, he is a brilliant politician who I hate. Yeah, he's shame shame to Shelton Ham High in Philadelphia. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. that. 
He's the yeah, shame. Exactly. If someone's the pride of certain, he's the shame of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but see, now we well, let's come I don't to think you, you've ever is. heard me talk about how great BB is, except his technical political skill. Right. You know, maybe he got picked on it at high school, and that's his problem. See, this is like, I think this is like all of the world's worst people. Like, they, 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 so, you know, we, we bullies in high school is the source of all humans. <laughs> suffering yeah. okay. can I be honest so, with you though I really think uh, I really think BB is a, pace, a, a, a case of um, power corrupts and, and absolute power corrupts absolutely I don't think he was sure. a, a bad person going into it I think mm. he's been corrupted by you know the power Right, and he and he, you know, and this is the this is the political like psycho game, like psychological psychological game. All politicians, not all, but quite a few, it gets to the point where it's like, well, I'm good, so therefore I need, I need to, to stay, stay in, power. in power. Absolutely, and to stay in power, I have to. Do I need bad to do things. bad things. Absolutely, absolutely, and do shady land deals to make yeah. myself rich. So yeah, that's, absolutely. That's absolutely. absolutely. So, um, uh, but no. I guess Netanyahu's done things that effectively, to my mind, at least as it was envisioned in Oslo and, and so forth, like the, the, the two state solutions is, is just not viable anymore. And it as, becomes as now. We envision it right now. Right. And I think um, that's such an important thing to say, because I don't necessarily think that the idea for the solution to this has even been had yet. Mm. Right. I think we, and when I say we have to throw out the way we've been thinking about it, I really mean like we have to like completely throw out the way we've been thinking about it. There's yeah. nothing that is, you know, um, that should be like, you know, the two state solution. What does that mean? What does it look like? You know, to, to, to throw out that it's unworkable anymore. Mm. I don't know if it's workable or not, but there might be an idea that someone has that is workable. I just haven't heard it yet. You know what I mean? Like, well, and so as, as my understanding, like, you know, the, the common refrain is that the one state, because obviously, like, that, that's a, a nice, like, an, I read an article the other day and it said, look, like, between, if you include the West Bank, Gaza, and Israel, you have about seven, you know, seven million Jewish um, Israelis and then seven million either Arab Israelis or Palestinians. Yeah. Um, and the, the idea is that if this was to be a one democratic state, then, you know, the, the notion of a Jewish state would be gone you know that would and it would be gone and so this is this is the crux right that i think there the the political conditions and i think the conditions with the settlements and and so forth have made a two state solution which does involve i mean there is a geographic component i mean I, as i agree i think there is trauma there is a there is a psychological component there are these historical grievances and issues that are at at hand but there is also a, a just a literal geographic component and that geographic component has been severely constrained in terms of a, a potential two-state solution by the actions of the Netanyahu government. Um, and so you have like, if the one state equal citizen is not workable and the two-state geographically becomes increasingly difficult, I just, yeah, I don't know what, where you go from there. Um it's it's an interesting question. I think 
Like I said, I, I don't necessarily think the idea has been thought of yet that is like the workable solution, um, but I don't discount it happening. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, there is definitely a feeling that the two-state solution slips further and further out of the realm of possibility every day. Um, yeah, there's that feeling that. on both sides. Um, and it, that, that sort of is the reality of the situation right now. That's the whole, right? Like, but at the same time, and I kind of want to, want to bring this to something. Um, I don't trust our governments, right? I don't trust BB to work on my behalf. I don't work, trust the Palestinian authority to work on behalf of, the Palestinian people. I don't expect Hamas to work on behalf of the, the Palestinian people. You know, it, it's kind of frustrating. We talked about how there's these elements within Israel that try and kind of sabotage peace. One of the, the most interesting things about this recent flare up in fighting is just before, and I'm talking a day and a half before, Yair Lapid, who is the head of the uh, Yeshatid party, um, mm -hmm. which is the main opposition party to Bibi, to the Likud. He and Naftali Bennett, who is the leader of um, a more right-wing party, made the announcement that probably within two days, they were going to have a coalition agreement to oust Netanyahu, which included support from the Israeli Arab parties, which would have been unheard of. Right. Mm. Just as much as there are people on the Israeli right who don't want that, Hamas doesn't want that. Right. And that's a big part of why these rockets started and, and why they came, why, you know, when they did specifically. And that's not to discount Sheikh Jarrah and, and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, Hamas doesn't fire just because, you know, like Hamas is much more political than that. Um, you know, there's the fact that uh, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, canceled the Palestinian elections that were supposed to be the first elections since 2007, I want to say. Well, I mean, put him in the category. I mean, like this all popped off and then like I heard him come up. I'm like, oh, Abbas is still alive? Yeah, right. And that's part of the thing, right? Hamas wants I to show. I, honestly, I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah, Hamas wants to show that it's the leader Right. It speaks for the Palestinian people. It protects the Palestinian people. Mm. Right? There's this internal dynamic between the PLO and Hamas and, and, and Islamic Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which are the two Palestinian organizations that are not part of the PLO. Right. Um, and so there's this internal dynamic to it as well. So I don't trust the politicians in this at all. Um, I've been actually been spending a bunch of time over the last few days um, on Clubhouse, which is um, a, a voice chat application uh, where they create rooms and, and you can have people speaking and people listening. There's moderators. And there's been a room created called Meeting Palestinians and Israelis. And they've been going 24 hours a day uh, for, I think, the last 10 days. 
there's been more than 400,000 people who have gone into this room. Nice. Uh, the average time in the room is six hours. Wow. So people are really, and, and the people who are in this, in this room might talk for three minutes, five minutes out of that mm. six hours. They're listening. Right. And the room is highlighting Israeli and Palestinian voices to share their personal experiences, their personal narratives, not politics, not why I dislike this person or that person, why I disagree with the person who was talking before, right? Everything needs to start kind of with I feel, I think, right? It's about expressing the, the individual and the personal. And um, because of the divisions, hmm. that the physical divisions that exist, too often, Palestinians don't really know Israelis and Israelis don't really know Palestinians, except in, you know, mixed cities. And so, so and you're referring here to Arab Israelis. Both. To be clear. Yeah, both. both. But I mean, yeah, but even I mean, it's even more stark is that like, obviously, the, the Arab Israelis are Israeli citizens. So, yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've had I've had Israeli Arab students, co-workers, bosses, friends. Right. Um, that's much more common. Right. Um, but still, there are many Israelis who, who don't even have that. Yeah, well, no. that's and that and that circles back to another thing. Before, I mean, you know, once upon a time, correct me if I'm wrong, thousands of Palestinians used to come over the border from Gaza every day and work, and then go back. Yeah, and so I mean, that's and obviously that, and that that took place until Hamas took over Gaza, and you started using it as a rocket launching platform. None of this stuff is happening in a vacuum, and and the most frustrating part is at this point. There's no action. There's only reaction, right? On well, both and, sides. And, I, and I'm trying to keep it on the on the more positive, conciliatory uh, uh, flavor yeah, anyway, uh, so, as, we're, as we're wrapping so, up. But because so, I mean, like I remember that, like you were, re you know, hearing about this. Like, and it's interesting because you know you watch all the news and all of this like acrimony, but then like you read about, you know, they had this like followed these um, kind of workers from Gaza, and like they got along, like they often worked for in agriculture or other yeah. kind of service areas, and got along like they're like the people they worked with and like like and it really shows that like when you boil it down most people are much more like people are much more like that like yeah yeah, yeah. this guy's nice he pays me and, you know yeah this, no yeah, and, like, and you know and, and i and i work hard, you know this guy's nice he shows up he's reliable and like you know yeah <laughs> it's um, so it's uh it stands out for its like pedestrianness right like yeah, yeah this guy yeah he works here and he does a good job and well, oh he's well a good to take it to take it to the American analogy, right? There's lots of people who get along well with their South American gardener, right? right. Oh, he's a good guy. He shows up, he works hard. And there's lots of South American gardeners who are like, hey, my, he gives me, you know, he lets me get water. He pays me well, right? It, it, it's superficial. Right. Right. There's not a real like it's a superficial connection and what is needed mm. is real connections real understanding mm. real listening too many israelis 
don't know what it's like to walk through a checkpoint. Right. Too many Palestinians don't know, you know, like there's just so much like disconnection, right? We could take it back to the British if we want, because I like beating on the British, you know, but there's so much disconnection between these people that they don't really know each other on a personal level anymore. Like there's superficial connections, but everything gets so polarized. And, and I mean, for people in Gaza going on to a zoom with Israeli peace activists can get you put in prison, you know? So, so there's all of these things that separate us, but this, this chat room on, on clubhouse, and I recommend it to anyone who wants a more in-depth, personal understanding of what life is like on both sides of this from the people who are living it, I recommend it to anyone. It's really, I've been in there a lot. It's really an amazing experience. Well, that and that I think is a, a really positive and and I, I mean not in a, in a faux way and a genuinely uh, you know it's uplifting to know that even in spite of what have seemed like it, it really and look it's it's really hard and violence that that this is still going on. But I just like want, the, the, the I don't want to like, like, tie this back down yeah. to a dour note. But this is nice. But I think I, I'm going to build on a point you made earlier about like getting to the real and like this is part of getting to the real, like expressing like people's experiences and like trying to understand what life would be like living in the occupied West Bank and what it might be like to live um, in Israel and like kind of the perspective that people bring there. Um, it as comes Jewish to my Israelis. whole question of why. I, I don't want to be kind of haranguing on the, the, the downside, but I do feel like I could imagine a conversation where like, you know, um, a, a Palestinian from the West Bank and in you know an Israeli from Tel Aviv or Haifa or what have you have a really great talk and they understand each other, and then you know you put those two people and they say, okay, well what's what's the status of East Jerusalem? Well, of course it's part of the undivided capital of Israel. Oh no, it's the it's our rightful capital of the new Palestinian state. You know, like I'm not, you know, even and so there can be understanding, but there and then like you get to these real like okay, yeah, there but, is only but one. the more the more understanding there is, mm. the, the more we understand what the actual costs we're paying right. is. No, and and so I don't want to be flippant and like dismissive of it, but I'm just I'm saying. Talking, like, and the, listen, I'm talking the about mainly of, Israelis here, right? Right, I'm talking for the most part. I'm talking about Israelis, not knowing what life is like for Palestinians in the West Bank, for Palestinians in Gaza, right? We talk about, you know, we do the things we need to do for protection. And I, and I do believe that. But at the same time, I think if more Israelis heard what was happening, right? And it's really, you know, this, this group is not some light, fluffy kind of thing. There's right. there's real confrontation to thought and confrontation about what you believe. And a lot of it's really troubling to hear and really angering to hear. Um, but but you're hearing truth. And to a certain extent, part of the problem in this conflict is we don't hear the truth for me. Everything's 
placating and diplomatic speak and PR speak on, on all over it. We, we don't really hear the truth of what it's doing to people on the other side. And I've talked a little bit in this group and, you know, talked about my particular experiences here, um, living in Jerusalem when, you know, the knife intifada was going on, living here during this, this most recent conflict where we had lots of rockets on my city. And, and there were Palestinians who said things like, oh my God, I never thought it was like that. I thought all, Israel all Israelis had safe rooms and bomb shelters and, you know, none of the rockets hit the ground. And, you know, so there's, there's so much that I don't think that we would allow to be done in our names if we really understood and really listened to what was going on. And I think, you know, Maybe it's cynicism and I've lost my idealism, but I just don't trust governments and politicians to right now um, to, to do this. Uh, we need a, a kind of a new generation of leaders that ha have heard these stories and know what the costs are. Um, and are willing to, like, I like the notion you said of just like kind of throwing out like yeah, basically come at it with fresh eyes. Well, I think, Mike, that is as good a place as any um, to wrap up what has just been a really enlightening conversation for me, and, and I'm sure it's going to be for our listeners. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to join us. Um, we're going to have to have you back on. I mean, there's so much more we, we yeah, have uh, whatever left, you want. left uh, I, I uncovered. Love I miss talking to you. I love talking. Yeah, to you. yeah, no, no. It's it, yeah. This has been, uh, you know, maybe we're we're a tinge uh, older and a tinge wiser, um, and so uh, uh, we, we maybe you know, I'm a tinge wiser. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, but no. Thank you so much for um, joining us and for really um, offering some, I think, really valuable and, and thoughtful insights. Um, not only into what's going on now, but a lot of the history and. Um, forces kind of shaping that. So thank you so much to Mike Hilkowitz and thanks to all of you. Yeah, if you've made it this far, you. you are a certain um, stalwart. You are a notably stalwart fan of the Caves of Altamira. Um, if am. you are still listening at this point. No, I'm talking to the listeners here. Oh, you I are. Well, Mike, I really, you, you like, are. I really like you it. You would I be wanna... listening at this point. So I, yeah. I want to thank you, though, because um, it's really been a great, great listening to this because there's so many different topics and so many different things to think about from like, it's, a, it's been a really nice thing uh, uh, listening to it over the past, what, seven episodes, six episodes. Right. right. No, well, thanks, man. That's great. All right. Well, take care, Mike. Thank you so much. All right.